My name is Dr. Nate Shannock. And my name is Merrick Egbert. This is the official podcast of the Else for Autism Foundation for Autism. We call our podcast this because it's a play on our foundation's name, and Merrick and I are both terrible golfers. But we love how golf has become such a transformative tool to helping people with autism. When I'm not on the podcast, I'm part of our growing research team. And when I'm not part of the podcast, I'm the communications specialist, which is why you're hearing me right now. I'm also autistic. This is our 36th episode of the podcast, Learning to Swim with Dr. Jack Scott. Dr. Scott is the executive director of FEU CARD and a keynote speaker on the sports fitness curricula. Speech will be about drowning elopement and teaching individuals with autism how to swim. We are currently involved in a campaign to raise funds for a recreation complex, which would include a swimming pool. So make sure you listen to the interview on part A of the podcast. Also on part A is our foundation news and updates, where you will learn more about what we are, what we have been doing as a foundation, what we are doing and what we will be doing. What we hope to do is to present news and updates about our foundation, interviews with feature stories that play a big role with us and with the community as a whole. Speaking of which, for Part B, listeners will get to hear our Today in the World of Autism segment, where we posit the news and current events reflective of the world we live in today. Also, check our show notes for websites, resources, and other groovy things we would like to have on the written record for all you four autism fans. First, here are some news and updates about the, well, here are some news and updates about the foundation. So, the first item is the 2023 Recreation Conference. On the 23rd and the 24th of the month we are in, we will be having our next conference, the Recreating Recreation Conference. We will have speakers presenting all of our all of the wonderful things that can be done in having a recreational experience. And I will actually sit on the panel on the 23rd of the month at the, Recre- at the Recreating Recreation Conference on the topic of healthy living and well-being. All right. And also, uh, after the conference is ended, we will have our optional 5K Roots and Ruts this year during the conference. I will have the link for registration and to learn more on our show notes. Okay, so one of our big uh, platforms that we have is our educational platform. As we are targeting individuals with autism across the lifespan, we have to have the knowledge that will make us educational authorities in the field. Many of our staffers have some insight into the field of autism, and while we also want to learn from others, we want anyone who is interested to learn from us. For example, our goals program takes individuals from any country and puts them in touch with our line of experts who can expert their best practices for families from all over the world. GOALS stands for Global uh, Outreach Autism Learning Services. Here are a few of the resources that we have that anyone can utilize to give them the best sense of helping individuals with autism. All links and potential contact information will be included in our show notes. We have a full library of free online webinars that has its dedicated page for anyone to visit and learn. We also have a notification list for any new webinars that will arrive. We have a variety of topics, including employer resources, behavior strategies, characteristics of ASD, cooking classes, 
the Autism Innovation and State of the Science Conference from 2017, and we also have webinars in Italian, Spanish, and Portuguese. Also, some of these webinars on our website may actually earn you some professional credits, including BACB, or Behavior Analyst Certification Board, uh, CEUs, or Continuing Education Units, Shroom Credits, which is the Society of Human Resource Managers, CESP Credits, which has to do with supporting employment, CRCC Credits. We have a dedicated page addressing what runs count for these professional credits. All one has to do is to select the course on the page, register, enter payment details, and the, this course will and the course will be emailed to you as a direct access link via a confirmation email. Resources and organizations directory. We have a directory that houses resources and contact information of all other of other organizations from all around the world, including our regional Florida, South Florida, the state of Florida, and national and international organizations. Sam Civ Stick Together Webinars. Our support group for siblings of those with autism started by Samantha Sam Ells may meet once a month, but on a dedicated page of the Sam Civ Stick Together website, as webinars are presentations of pertinent topics relating to siblings of those with autism. For the targeted group, there is a resources page and also qualified research studies relevant to the matter at hand. For upcoming webinars and updates, the, this page will be linked on our show notes. Also, we have a very active social media uh, presence. We have a lot of social media accounts to follow us on, and also you may learn a thing or two through these accounts too. Our Facebook page has all the updates and events that make us tick. They would include photos and videos of prior events, and every time there is a themed month, whether it be World Autism Month, National Disability Employment Awareness Month, there would be facts and testimonials about what the month would mean to us and to our clients who really, really love that these uh, opportunities are able to be highlighted on our social media accounts. Please follow us. I help maintain and manage our Sea of Possibilities Facebook page with spotlights, our plans in the community, and appreciation for the work that helpful volunteers have helped us on. Future plans may include an education on the people who make up the value of our micro business as remarkable adults of autism and their supporters. If you aren't in our local region of Palm Beach County, you can still order our designs from our website. If you want to take a look at our beautiful photos, videos, and graphic designs, you must follow our Instagram page. Just like Facebook, we have our educational campaigns and testimonials happening in all our theme months. Make sure to follow us for more information. For all updates, campaigns, and testimonials and very brief verbiage, follow our Twitter page. And the last one, our YouTube page. Our YouTube channel is our most educational outlet that we have. We have a lot of videos about our organization, our services, programs. If anyone wants to learn about us, the YouTube channel is a great starting point. We also have a lot of webinars and educational videos on a wide range of topics. Our playlists are very important as a guiding tool. Playlists include stress management tips, our conferences, our targeted bases of interest, and our Autism Awareness Month from 2020. 
follow us on all of these social media sites and educate yourselves on on growing knowledge that would serve as a great base of interest uh, for anyone in the future. Thank you so much for listening to our Foundation News and Updates. And now on to the interview that we are doing with Dr. Jack Scott. Our interview for March on the podcast, on the For Autism podcast, is a man by the name of Dr. Jack Scott. Uh, Jack Scott is the executive director of the FAU Card Center, which uh, it stands for uh, Florida Atlantic University Center for Autism and Related Disabilities. He is an associate professor in the Department of Special Education. He teaches courses on inclusion, special education, and behavior analysis. Dr. Scott received his doctoral degree from the University of Florida. He has also written a textbook on autism, students with autism, characteristics, and instructional programming, which was published in the year 2000, has written several chapters and articles on autism and individual instruction. Dr. Scott has research interests in early intensive behavioral intervention, particularly parent-directed home programs and reading instruction for children with autism. He is a behavior analyst and serves as the Autism Area Program Coordinator for the Association for Behavior Analysis. In addition, he serves on the boards of several charter schools and as a board member for Reaching Potentials. He's provided special assistance to the Ministry of Education in Belize to help their teachers become more effective in educating children with autism in this Central American country. And also, very, very important to us, he is going to be a keynote speaker on, I believe, uh, March the 24th, or Friday, where he will be speaking on drowning elopement and teaching uh, individuals with autism, teaching children with autism how to swim. So I want to welcome you to the program, Dr. Scott. Thank you, Merrick. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. Yes, we're very excited to have you on, Dr. Scott. And I'd just like to, to quickly mention that when I was in graduate school in experimental psychology at FAU, Dr. Scott was very generous with his time and he was an excellent mentor to myself as I was trying to get involved with more research on autism. So I just wanna say thank you for that before we get started. Wow, you're very, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah. And Merrick, I should add that uh, while I was for many years the uh, program area person with the Association for Behavior Analysis International, uh, I've moved on and that's that's gone off to, to other people, but uh, you know, I'm still uh, uh, an active member there and, uh, and a very active member with the Autism Society of America and uh, a board member there, as you mentioned. So thank you. All right. Yes, so as the director, the executive director of FAU CARD, could you tell us a little bit about how the organization is helping students with disabilities to excel at Florida Atlantic University? Yeah, we have uh, uh, three locations. We're in Boca uh, at the main campus. We're at Jupiter at the FAU campus there. And we're also at uh, 
in Port in St. Lucie at Indian River State College uh, with a with a facility there and, and staff in all those areas. And we cover Palm Beach and the Treasure Coast counties. Right now, we're serving over 7,000 families and individuals, uh, not all at one time, but uh, as they need uh, support and assistance, we uh, we are serving uh, those those folks. While we do help uh, some students at the university, that's not our main focus at all. We're not a, a university support program primarily for students at the university. There are about 200 plus students with autism at FAU uh, in regular degree programs, and many of them do quite well or excel. And uh, many of them don't need any help from us, which is, you know, which is wonderful. But when they do, we, you know, we, we certainly help them out. But most of our support is directed to families uh, in the community and to agencies, schools and, um, and, and community support programs where we provide expertise in autism. We have about 24 staff all together now and our uh, main crew are the um, clinical support specialists, people with master's or doctoral degrees who are out there uh, in the community meeting with families, meeting with them by Zoom, by phone uh, to uh, help deal with the challenges they, they face. Oh. Yeah, that's that's terrific work being done. And as a graduate student, I mentioned this already, but I was really appreciative of the involvement of FAU CARD as being, you know, a great connecting point for faculty and some of the different organizations to help promote autism research. Do you have any current collaborations going on with with faculty that um, you'd like to speak about? We have uh, a number of, of things happening. Um, uh, right now, I'm involved in a major study with the Autism Society of America, a nationwide study of um, asking people on the autism spectrum, adults on the spectrum, for their views on um, suicide prevention measures. The focus was on crisis lines and did a hotline, a, a suicide crisis line, did it work uh, it, when, a, when a person with autism had a, a crisis situation? And we've gathered some very important data on that, that I'll be reporting on on that next month with a, uh, uh, a, a graduate student at the uh, uh, American Association on Suicidology. And we've reported on it at a, a number of other forums uh, going forward there. <clears throat> We're finding some getting some very interesting information. We are finding kind of in a troubling way that uh, many people on the spectrum um, don't find those services very beneficial. And often they don't disclose they have autism, which is their choice, of course, to not disclose. But uh, uh, there's a very mixed profile in terms of the, the perceived benefit to those uh, those services. And we hope, and I say we, um, in, in conjunction with the Autism Society of America, we hope we can change that by bringing greater awareness uh, to this, both from the um, at the federal level in terms of the uh, uh, dollars that support these programs, and at the call centers around the country. And there, there, there are countless call centers um, that uh, provide support. I think we, the advice we can provide will help them do a do a better job still. So. Um, we're active with the, uh, we have two grants right now with the Developmental Disabilities Council of Florida. One is looking at the uh, the status of black children, especially in their access to special ed 
for autism, uh, autism eligibility in schools and assessment. Uh, and we're finding some, getting some very interesting findings there that we're reporting on at a number of, of, of places. Uh, but the general trend is that black children tend to be uh, uh, late in identification. They're not identified as early. And in some counties, they may be half as likely to receive an autism eligibility. And that's very troubling to us. Um, for a child with autism, they should be identified early, whether they're black or white. They should have access to quality school programs and charter schools, like the, the two charter schools that are at the uh, on the ELS uh, Center of Excellence property, the Learning Center and the Learning Academy. But if a child is not identified and not given that eligibility, then they, they don't access that. And then typically they don't get insurance funded services either. So it, it's a real, a real problem there. Uh, we're also funded by the DD Council, the Developmental Disabilities Council, for a uh, uh, police training program. Police will have contact with people with autism. We know that those contacts are uh, likely to occur seven times more likely with a child with autism because they, they tend to elope and then there are other, uh, other issues that happen. Uh, and police want to know more about that. Often there's a bad incident and then there's a lot of negative publicity. We, we try to head, head that off. And uh, we are working with a number of police officers, people that, uh, in our criminal justice program at FAU and other specialists to help form a, a, a useful police training program that can be used, can be used statewide. So we have that. One last one, uh, with Palm Beach Sheriff's Office, we uh, have an ongoing program um, relying on Project Lifesaver, Project Lifesaver uh, electronic detection bracelets that allow the Sheriff's Office to much more quickly track a child who might go missing. We support about 80 children and their families with these devices, uh, providing batteries and replacement straps and, and other assistance. And we provide free ones right now for families that are on free and reduced price lunch. And then we help other families that are, have, uh, that are not on, on that status uh, in terms of how they can access it and pay for it on, on their own. Um, but this is, is helpful in reducing the rate of drowning and um, in, in those in those ways. So, so let's just give you a, a, some idea. Essentially, several of our graduate students have gone out. Two of them now are in the uh, neuroscience programs. Uh, Valerie uh, Weissman is at her FAU program, and Oriana Williams is at the uh, neuroscience program at the University of South Florida in, in Tampa. And, and my current student, uh, Haley Caban, no telling where she'll go, but it'll be one of those kind of places as well. So uh, I, I think we provide a good opportunity for students who are up and coming and want to want to really make a make a big difference in the in the world of mental health and, and psychology. So. Absolutely. Those sound like some very impactful research studies that you're involved with. And thank you. I'm really looking forward to to hearing more about them and and you know hearing about the results that come to fruition. But but that's great work. Thank you. Thank you. So last but not least we know that you're presenting at our conference. And so my question is, what is the rationale for including recreational programs as a component of the curriculum plan for individuals with ASD or other disabilities? Yeah. Uh, recreation is, there's just many benefits to this. Uh, for a child with autism, for any child, any child. But 
But often a child with autism is stay at home. They want to be near the electric outlet so they can plug in their device. Uh, they they uh, may be just as happy to be on the couch and, uh, and playing a video game. Uh, but getting out and moving about uh, from a physical uh, phys physical fitness uh, standpoint, they're, they're really good rewards. From a mental health standpoint, being able to engage in diverse activities, socialization, you're, you're out there recreating, you're recreating with other people, and then a pleasant set of interactions, all of that being real, real good. Most of these recreational activities are lifelong skills. You've got new skills that you develop that you can enhance. Sometimes people with autism can be really great at some of these things. I think of some of the, the basketball players who, who are just fantastic at getting a, a basket, in a, 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 the ball in the basket. Um, but even if they don't achieve you know, competitive greatness, just being out there. Swimming, though, I think should be the first sport for any child with autism. Swimming really needs to be, oh, I'm sorry, needs to be their first sport. Um, you know, we want to accommodate, you know, parent interests and things like that. But um, the, the benefits to swimming are, are uh, from day one. A child with autism who knows how to swim is far, far less likely to drown. And drowning is, is, uh, is the, big, the big threat. Uh, the big risk factor for our children with autism, especially here in South Florida, but really across the United States. Drowning for children one to four is the largest um, uh, uh, risk for death factor that we have. Most people don't recognize this. Uh, now, um, firearms dangers are coming in and they, they've now overtaken motor vehicle accidents for children who are a little bit older. But children one to four, and many of our children with autism, bless their heart, kind of remain developmentally kind of at that top end, the three to four, in terms of their judgment, in terms of their self-preservation and safety skills. And so um, the child learning how to swim, it becomes very important. And many of them find they really love swimming and will it becomes a very important reinforcer for them, a thing they really love to do. Others are very hesitant in the water and need a lot of coaching. But uh, it still may be very important for them to be comfortable so they don't panic and then have even greater risk for drowning if they do find themselves in, in water. Well, I can go on about that, uh, but I, I know you've got some, some, some other questions, but uh, it should be their first, their, their first sport. And uh, uh, I'm glad to hear some of the efforts that are going forward at the, at the ELSA uh, uh, Center for Excellence in that regard. Yeah, that's really well said. And I appreciate you sharing the statistic on one to four year old. That's really telling and does speak to the importance of uh, swimming in particular. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. I'll, yeah. I'll pass oh, you're you're welcome. You're welcome. Eric here. Yeah, it's a it's actually a perfect segue for my questions. Um, so the first question that I have is that, yes, drownings are a major issue for children in South Florida especially children with autism, why do you think that is and what difference would it make in knowing how to swim? Yeah, drowning is is sadly a very big factor here in South Florida, but really across the United States, as I mentioned, for one to four-year-olds, doesn't matter if you're in Florida or Arizona or Nevada, uh, drowning uh, nationwide is uh, is the biggest the biggest risk factor. And with so many families having pools, uh, having a spa. Uh, so many 
developments, condos and apartment complexes having the, these ponds and retention ponds. And um, they're often dug out for the purposes of, of you know, adding fill to the foundations of, uh, of buildings that are never fenced. They're never protected, really. Um, so many children are at, uh, at risk and they're at risk for, uh, for drowning. Drownings happen very quickly. They don't happen like we see them in the movies. The kid's not screaming and shouting for any number of minutes. Uh, it's usually a fairly quiet affair, and uh, uh, it, it's it's a, a big risk. And we think of South Florida. Here, I was at the uh, campus. I was at your campus this morning. There was an event there at the the learning center, uh, and uh, they had very careful teachers positioned to be guards, really, to make sure the kids. Some of the kids didn't wander off, and uh, because there's water nearby, and uh, that water uh, can be so dangerous with ponds, pools, canals. Uh, the ocean, uh, creeks, rivers, uh, it's just a very, very rough, uh, rough situation. We saw some data from a year or so ago that 10% of the children in the state of Florida who drowned, 10% of all the children, this is about 90, 90 to 185, uh, somewhere in there each year, it changes. But 10% uh, of them were children with autism. Yet children with autism make up a very small percentage of the of the population of children, one and a half percent, something like that. So, you know, we know that the the risk of, of drowning is, is maybe 10 times greater for a child. It's a high risk, high baseline risk for any child, but add autism and it, it may be 10 or more times greater. We don't always know that a child who drowns has autism. The, the death recording, this, some of this is a little bit morbid, I'm, I'm sorry, but some of the death re uh, records don't reflect that. It doesn't always say child with a disability, it was autism. Uh, so the, the rate is probably even higher than that. And, um, and so it's, it's unfortunate. Um, we know that 40% or more of these children elope, uh, where they leave the, the safety of their, their family or at school, um, they don't seem to have the necessary self-preservation skills. Uh, um, some elope multiple times, um, others may never elope. But um, when they do, it's absolutely critical to, to you know, get them recovered as quickly as possible to get them uh, back because of the many risks that are out there when they're not supervised. Uh, now, you can ask about, uh, now, obviously, when a child knows how to swim, we can we can go catch them and they're wet. They're not dead. And that's, that's you know, that's the good thing. Uh, uh, now, even a child who knows how to swim can drown. And, and that's that, that uh, but the, the risk is reduced, is reduced dramatically, is reduced dramatically. So it, it becomes really important. And we can teach children to swim. Uh, and, I, and I'll be happy to talk about that uh, a little later. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh set of points that you make um i kind of feel like that if i i feel like maybe i'm being a little bit unscientific but if there's like a kind of an epidemic there i think i feel like that uh what i can feel in a, on a personal level is whenever I go on a car ride or, you know, any kind of vehicle and I see this body of water, I am extremely tempted to just completely go out of this vehicle 
and to just basically swim or just wade into this body of water. I think that part of it is because water instead water is extremely consistent. It's extremely smooth. Uh, when it comes to waves, yes, there is a little bit of sensory shock, but I would think that water is actually the most sensory friendly or the most sensory pleasant of anything that would probably have to be. Yeah. Waves basically are sensory shock, but when it comes to lakes and pools and everything, there's there's no ripple effect. There's no like tied in and tied out. It's consistent, it's smooth, it's sensory friendly. There's like nothing unpredictable that will happen. And so I wonder if if basically if there's like an individual, a child who is very much wrapped up in all kinds of sensory processing disorders and they're eloping and they find this body of water and they feel like that they're at peace because a body of water is usually in a sense uh, a sense of sensory comfort yeah. but it also it's like the sirens uh call you yeah. know where sirens in greek mythology basically sing and it soothes and it comforts the the men on the you know on the ships and they end up crashing and they lose their lives because of the sirens call yeah. almost like a false sense of discomfort of comfort because uh you know someone may not be able to understand what threat even though it's sensory friendly it's sensory comforting and it's sensory pleasing there's still a threat to be had there oh. and maybe it's not they're not maybe understanding completely what that uh threat is yes oh you're you're very right you know and people on the spectrum find it comforting and sensory friendly but look at how our population in general people want to live on or near the beach they want to be in a condo so they can see the ocean or the intercoastal intercoastal um they want to have a spa or pool in their backyard you know we love water in south florida that's a big plus for us uh but it it can be uh, it can be tough, and to contradict you a little bit, uh, look at the the I get the weather updates here, and uh, so many days here we have danger of rip currents right along our beach area, and and people uh, drowned out there all the time. Mm. The, the the ponds that you see at the um, apartment developments and the condo developments are uh, two of the children drowned in those ponds, and and. Most of the children I know who have drowned have drowned in those those ponds. They tend not to be fenced. They're often multiple at, at a big complex. Um, and often they're dredged in such a way that it, it's shallow for three or four feet out. Uh, you know, and a child can wade in it and it can have it, it can be fun, but then it goes down deeper. Something to do with how they dig them out with the excavators. And then it suddenly becomes deep. So a child could be waiting and having a, a nice time there, a pleasant sensory experience. And another step out, now they're over their head. They're completely freaked out and it sets the stage for a, a tragic drowning. So it is uh, it is tough. And there is that unpredictability for, for, for some of them. 
And even getting in a pool, the child may not sense how deep it is and think, oh, I can easily stand up, but it could be you know, well over their head uh, and it could be a very difficult situation. So yes, it's it's a tough situation for us. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, when I made the metaphor, the sirens call, it's, it's all about, you know, uh, things that you may think are completely what they are, but there's a level of deception that ends up snaring someone and that could have tragic consequences. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We see the depth, you know, or sense there could be depth to it. The child often probably doesn't factor in the depth uh, yeah. factor. And then often children with autism have problems with receptive language, with uh, processing what's been said to them. So if the warning is, don't go near the pool unless mommy or daddy are right there with you. That may not register with them. And so we really need to take very special precautions. Yeah, yeah. I definitely uh, can understand. Uh, and there are organizations that have been in the past that have tried to help uh, sway that have tried to help uh, prevent or moderate or reduce the amount of drownings like Project Lifesavers. So it's a humongous issue. Yeah, yeah, it it really is. Um, the pool that we're planning to, you're planning to build at the uh, L Center for Excellence uh, is, is gonna make a big contribution, I think, in that way. You have, geez, what, Two, three hundred children in, in school programs there, plus the children who are participating in the uh, Ellis Foundation programs. Uh, there, there's the opportunity for all of them to learn to swim. Uh, some, I'm sure, know how to swim now, but for all of the children coming through to, to be able to be competent uh, swimmers, uh, that will go far to helping uh, helping them uh, remain, remain safe. And, and hopefully other children from the, the community um, will be able to benefit. I'd like to mention that in Broward County, just, just south of us in Palm Beach County, uh, there's a program called Swim Central, Swim Central, and each year uh, they've been serving about 25,000 children, 25,000 children in first, second grade, uh, maybe some in third grade, who um, have two weeks of swimming instruction. They, they leave in a school bus from their school with their teachers and they uh, are transported to a community pool where certified uh, instructors, and if it's a child with autism, they're certified people who know about adapted uh, swimming and, and special needs swimming, um, will help to um, teach them the, the basics of water, water safety. And uh, it's a fantastic program. They've served over 600,000 children so far in Broward County. Um, and they do this at a cost that's fairly moderate. It's $1.3 million per year. And that's uh, not a huge amount of money for a county as wealthy as Broward, and certainly for a county as wealthy as Palm Beach County. So uh, if they can do it in Broward County, I'm, I'm pretty sure we could do that same kind of thing here in, in Palm Beach County. And I, I hope to see the day when we when we do that, so. Yeah, yeah. Um... That uh, I I love adaptive sports. I yeah. actually uh, took up adaptive skiing for a while, and I absolutely loved it. I, I love skiing and everything like that. So I really really like adaptive sports. Um, 
so uh you mentioned about the swimming pool that we are building in the recreation complex so the next question i want to ask you is our capital campaign for the recreation complex is ongoing which would include a swimming pool how much of an impact will the swimming pool at our recreation complex have in order to help teach kids how to swim in order to prevent drownings? Oh, I think, uh, as already mentioned in part, I, I think it's going to have a, a huge impact. The children who attend the schools there and the programs at the foundation, I think, will be able to benefit and not only get instruction, but the, the opportunity for it to be very high quality instruction with 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 people who are very skilled at how to teach children with special needs. Hopefully they're able to get other people trained in this so that we impact you know, both the region and the state in terms of the, the number of, uh, of qualified instructors in this, uh, in this regard. The Dan Marino Center in, in Weston in Broward County had a, a, a similar effect. They have a specialized facility there for, to teach swimming and, uh, and they've had a, a huge impact statewide. And I, I think this, facility would, would uh, have a similar uh, big impact. And hopefully it could accommodate other children with special needs um, in other school programs so that they could come and, and uh, learn how to, how to swim as well. Even if they don't like swimming, if they can learn the survival strokes and know how to get to the side of a pool and, and keep themselves from drowning, that's, that's, going to be, that's going to be huge. And for some, they're going to go on and it's going to be their favorite sport, not only their first sport. And, uh, and can be very important in that way. Yeah, I'm a terrible swimmer. Are you better, Dr. Shinnok, at swimming? Not by much. But <laughs> I, I really, really like, I mean, it's it's very, very simple. You just go into a pool or a body of water and you just swim. You don't have to have that much to basically move you forward. You don't have to have like a racquetball net. You don't have to have a tennis court. You just sure. basically jump into the water, and once you learn how to swim, you can just swim, and yeah. it's just nothing to it. Yeah, it's terrific fitness, also. Yeah, you know, great full body cardiovascular workout. Mm -hmm. People worry about some of the risks in the water, like sharks. Sharks are a tiny risk compared to the drownings, and uh, but we have the wrong sense of of, of risk in, in many in many ways. So. Yeah. Okay, so my last question, my final question is, what will be the takeaways from your keynote speech? Well, I try not to freak people out with some of the statistics and some of the numbers, but um, it, uh, but we can do a lot about some of the, the issues. But I, I will present some of the risk factors. Uh, children with autism are at, at very significant risk. Uh, they're three or more times likely to die, and usually from an unintentional injury in contrast to typically developing children. For drowning, the, the risk factors are, are dramatically higher uh, than a typical child. Um, and elopement, elopement leading to drowning seems to be the scenario that, that causes the, uh, the, the drowning uh, to occur. Prevention is is what we should be focused on. Um, now we have, you know, efforts to, you know, uh, stabilize or rescue a, a child once they're in the water uh, and can be brought out. But so often this is done secretly. The child is is eloping uh, 
privately and, and you know they're not found until it's it's too late so prevention measures such as supervision careful adult supervision pools that are carefully uh, have fences that uh, with gates that lock uh, self-locking self-latching pool fences pool fences are the best approach to um, keeping the pool safe become very very important a family safety plan a family awareness that this could be a, an extra big problem with our child with autism, where there's someone specifically designated to be the water watcher uh, becomes very important. So this family safety plan. And then, of course, swim instruction for the child. If a family has a pool, if a neighbor has a pool for all of these children, uh, getting swim instruction and for adults, water safety instruction. It's not just for children, but for adults. Uh, knowing how to keep a child safe around water. And if you're here in South Florida, you're around water, let's face it. So those will be some of the some of the themes. Uh, I try to do this in a way that uh, doesn't, as I said, doesn't freak people out because we need to be proactive on this. Um, I've found that families in the past have, have been embarrassed perhaps that their child eloped and, and the, you know, they, the kid got away from them and, and they probably sought to keep it quiet. Uh, like, oh, people will think I'm a bad parent. But as I talk to parents now, they recognize that this is so common and, and uh, happens so often that they need not feel that way. But that they do need to really up their, their supervision, uh, up the, uh, the environmental protection e efforts in terms of locks on their doors or latches or special uh, special things that can be alarms that can be uh, helpful to, to keep the child uh, in, in place or a Project Lifesaver device. Now, here I'm talking about children who are younger. When the child is older and can communicate and say, hey, I, you know, I want to get out, I want to do more, uh, you know, then we have to be mindful of that and, and, and appreciate it. This, these are not just to keep a kid locked up, uh, but until a child can uh, demonstrate that they can maintain their own safety parameters, we have to do everything we can to look after them so that they don't elope and, and drown. That's my that's my pitch in a nutshell. Well, it's a great pitch. And <laughs> I think that everyone listening will really, really look forward to the speech that you're giving. Oh. So well, thank you very much. So I guess uh, we're at the end of all the questions and I really, really do appreciate you coming on to the podcast to answer all these questions and to basically bask, well, to have us bask in your wisdom. And I really, really look forward to seeing your keynote speech on the 24th of March and on Friday. And I just, I, I'm uh, really grateful to have been in to to have listened to your answers and to have asked the right kinds of questions that should be asked in order to provoke the right kind of answers. So yeah. I thank you so much. Well, thank you for some really good questions. And uh, uh, Nate, I appreciate your, your, your questions as well. Thank, thank you so much. Really fascinating topics. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Uh, and I appreciate the ELTS Foundation being uh, uh, concerned with these, uh, these issues. Uh, these are life-saving issues. 
and we do a lot to help children with, you know, therapies and, and all kinds of other things. But I see this as, as fundamental. This is, um, this is, you know, the, we got to keep kids alive and keep them safe. That's got to be front, uh, front and center. All right. Well, um, as, okay, so we'll be uh, seeing you. And uh, I just had a great time uh, talking to you. And, uh, you know, uh, when Come we back and visit see you us. when I, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll be seeing you at the conference. See, see you there. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Goodbye now. Take care. Bye. I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. A moth is a butterfly without any colors, but what's beautiful is what's inside. Maybe a moth is just a butterfly trying to hide. Well, I'm just a caterpillar crawling around. Knowledge in my head, but my feet on the ground. Soon I'll be like an angel in the sky, like a butterfly. I wish that I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. Like a bird, I was meant to soar. I will fly through the sunlight and even when it pours You can't stop me when I get a hold of the wind In the future your eyes will light up To think that I was once a poor caterpillar Will grow up and take to the sky Like a flock of butterflies I wish I could fly so high Oh, like a butterfly I'll fly into the air I'm a butterfly